everybody. Welcome to Breaking It Down with Jody Marks. I'm your host, Jody Marks, and this is episode 13. And it's a very special episode because we really need to vote. And we're going to get you, you know, excited to vote right here, right now. All right. So our episode is Why Do We Vote? And our panel today, we have two amazing men that are in the community doing everything that they possibly can to have people vote, to make change and I'm just so excited to have them here. So we have Daniel Brezinoff and then Matthew Hamlet. Said that right, yes. <laughs> I'm always worried about names on this show. Um, so can you both introduce yourselves to everybody watching here today? So Daniel, you'll go first. Yeah, hi, I'm Daniel Brezinoff. I'm a, a senior advisor to Mayor Robert Garcia in the city of Long Beach. Uh, I'm also a clinical social worker in private practice in Long Beach, and uh, I'm a professor of human services at Cal State Dominguez Hills. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Jody. Thanks for coming. And then Matt? Absolutely. So uh, my name is Matt Hamlet. I am, uh, uh, my current role is I'm uh, chief of staff for Long Beach City Council Member Rex Richardson, representing the 9th District. Uh, in my free time, I am the uh, uh, VP of uh, programming for the Long Beach Democratic Club. I've been involved in uh, professional politics for most of my professional career. Grew up in Long Beach, so uh, really glad to be here with you this evening. Thank you. I first want to know, how did you guys I, get into I, it? I'm yeah, very sorry. Did you know that I, that I was the Vice President of Programs at the Long Beach Democratic oh, Club? Oh, no way. I'm, I'm going to have to. When I did that, your boss, Rex Richardson, was also on the board there while he was Steve Neal's chief staff. Oh yeah, no, he reminds me every day. Yeah. Oh, well, you forget it. <laughs> How did you both get into politics, if I might ask? What drew you to it? I mean, I was born into it. I, I come from, from troublemakers. Uh, you know, my, my dad uh, in the 60s was, was marching for, for civil rights and against Vietnam. And his, his brother also uh, was, was really active in civil rights. And uh, I was just, I was on picket line when I was like two, was some school that New York city didn't want to, didn't want to finish. And, uh, you know, we went to an anti-nuclear arms march right around when Reagan got elected. So that's just, I've been living, breathing it since I could walk and talk, honestly. Mm-hmm. That's helpful. So, so for me, my path was a little different. I, I, I joke around that I didn't I uh, didn't become uh, politically conscious until I was done being a, a dumb jock at about the age of 20. So, uh, like I mentioned, I, I grew up in Long Beach and really, you know, honestly didn't really associate uh, politically. Right. Um, it wasn't until really I went to college, uh, took some uh, political science classes and had some great mentors um, um, that uh, I really started getting engaged. So really, my first step was. Um, I actually interned for former state assembly member, Bonnie Lowenthal. And that's when I, you know, they kind of took me in and said, all right, Matt, you know, absolutely nothing. Let's uh, kind of teach you the, the general landscape of government. Um, and then uh, from that, I was fortunate enough to uh, have lived up in Sacramento for the last six years, working for the state legislature. And um, really uh, my passion for, government and politics and really voting comes from, you know, the need to make a difference, right? Uh, you know, I grew up in North Long Beach, uh, went to school uh, uh, for most in private school in East Long Beach. And just the, the differences were always very apparent. And it's something that, uh, you know, we just always talked about. So when it came to, you know, building bridges, 
um, understanding just how you know people in my own city uh, live very different lives. Um, I've just always been motivated to you know try to bridge that gap and get everybody um, coalesced around the same set of goals that uh, give everybody a, a fighting chance to live a good life. Well, thank you both for doing what you're doing in the communities. Um, I also want to say, why is it important to vote? Like, why should people go out, especially for this election? Why is this one so important? I can go ahead and start that off, Dan. So I think that, um, and we were talking about this a little bit before the show started, that when I talk to friends that are less engaged politically, um, I think it's hard not to see, um, you know, quite frankly, the, the mess uh, that we're in at the federal level and, um, you know, look at things like the electoral college and say, oh, well, you know, we have, you know, a president that will probably lose California again. What is the point of voting? And what I always try to remind them is, you know, we have different levels of government. Uh, we have obviously uh, local government. So uh, you have uh, your, the people that represent you at the city level. Uh, you have people that represent you at the county level. You have people that represent you just within at, at the state level in the state assembly and the state Senate. And even more than that, um, you have um, issues that are on the ballot as well. So um, throughout, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, I think we have 12 ballot initiatives um, that will you know, change everything from affirmative action in the state of California, just a huge deal, uh, to um, allow people that are on parole the, uh, the, the opportunity to vote. Uh, those are all on the ballot. You have a, um, a measure uh, regarding some uh, restorative justice investments for the entire county of Los Angeles. That is on the ballot. You have a local measure here in Long Beach called Measure US that is looking to donate uh, or rather dedicate money um, uh, from uh, oil, uh, oil production, so taxing oil production to fund climate, uh, youth, and um, other programs that really benefit our city. So, um, you know, it's not just the president that's on the ballot. It's all, it's you know, different local electeds and issues uh, that um, I think all of us uh, can find some way to be invested in because they affect our communities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I appreciate you talking about levels of government. I get a little frustrated whenever I hear people talk about the government because because there's just so many different people doing so many different things from the dog catcher up to the to the Secret Service and your congressperson and a state senator and, and all these different people that are a part of government. Uh, and, you know, local is where I think you can make the most impact. Uh, you know, I always I always tell people that, you know, my boss, the mayor, his first time getting elected, he got something like 900 and change votes. I mean, you can go talk to 900 voters face to face in an election cycle where you look at this, this second district election that's going on right now. And uh, a friend of mine invited one of the candidates to go out to lunch for a burrito and they went, you know, socially distanced. And, uh, and, you know, and then she posted about it on social media and, you know, you know, that could change, that could actually change the course of a local election, something like that, you know? And, and so uh, I think there's a lot of excitement there. It took, took me many years to, to realize how important local politics was. They, I got dragged kicking and screaming. Uh, but I think, you know, here, here's the thing I tell people a lot. If we, you know, we want elected officials to have our back. So then we have to have their back too, because if 16% of people show up at the polls, then that means we really didn't have their back. And the sad fact of American politics is that the voting population does not represent 
even remotely, the population at large Absolutely. in terms of demographics or in terms of what they believe. And if the population at large actually voted, you know, in 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 the in proportional numbers, right? Uh, the, our our politics would look very different. They would be much more progressive, right. much more diverse. And so people have to not lose hope because it's such a small act. It takes five or ten minutes, I, and I don't mm -hmm. think it's difficulty of voting. I know there are barriers, and sometimes I know that mm -hmm. interferes. But I think it's it's the apathy and it's the belief that it won't matter that keeps mm -hmm. people home. And uh, and so you know, I, I think just just a few percentage points in in the right zip codes. It could changes everything. elected officials looking in a whole other direction. Yeah. And, and, and Dan, if I can build on that, and I know that you've worked on campaigns too. Um, well, I when I absolutely can't avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, most recently I, I did, a, I was a GOTV coordinator for a campaign up in Northern Los Angeles County uh, last, uh, last cycle. So that would have been 2018. And, uh, you know, one thing, another thing I think just building off of what you're saying is you target people based on their voting history. So even if, if, if you look at the way like we interact with people on the campaign side, if you're voting, we are trying our darnest to make sure that you get out there and you vote again, right? Um, the less that you vote, the more difficult it is to bring you out. So like campaign messaging, the, the, the way that you're, you're targeted, the way that, you know, you know, really a campaign is shaped is really based off of voters, right? So it's, it's, it's that old saying, if you're, uh, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Um, that's, that's, you know, incredibly true. And, you know, when you look at things like voter registration and just, you know, getting out there and getting people to vote for the first time, that dramatically changes, I mean, We've seen on the inside the calculus of a lot of these elected officials it changes everything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I just, I just want to say because I, I made the joke about working on campaigns. It's important, and people should volunteer, and I, and I, and I do, and I do it. And, you know, my joke is that it's not always the most fun thing to sit there and make three hundred phone calls and say the same thing and eat cold pizza. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's really is is part of the it's part of democracy, and particularly at the local level, those candidates who can get the volunteers out. Mm -hmm. they, they do better. You, you know, you, it's a, you have more energy and you can reach more voters. And so, you know, I, you know, we all have to kind of just suck it up and do it because that's how you win. Mm -hmm. There's so much to like go and try to yeah. figure out everything. First of all, I'm going to go down everything because I feel like there's so many good points. Electoral college. Can you guys explain that? Because in our last presidential election, election trump won because of the electoral college even though hillary had the popular vote and i know that didn't make sense with anybody at least my like we did i was like i don't get it i don't understand it if, if i like and that's another point that i've heard with people saying well if my vote if i voted for somebody and they didn't get elected wh why should i vote if an electoral college is just gonna pick so can you explain that or what they do and how it works yeah, you know, uh, I don't I don't know if you know that the night after Election Day in 2016, I started a, a petition on change.org to, to to the Electoral College. <clears throat> and, it, you know, it was it part part of sparking this conversation that we're still having about the Electoral College. 
You know, the truth is the, the electors just ignoring the will of the voters and picking whoever they want. That, that, that hasn't really been an issue in, in American history. That was kind of what I was encouraging them to do in a way, right? To ignore what their states were telling them to do. Because that's the reality that the states are voting for the president. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, but the distorting factor isn't really that these, these electors just exercise their, their choice even though that's what the constitution says they should do. Uh, and that's what the federal papers say they should do. Uh, what it really is about the disproportionate power of, of the voters in the small states, right? I mean, this, and, and, and to be clear, this is not about making us a republic and not a democracy because you can elect your chief executive by a popular vote and you're still a republic. You didn't become a democracy because you did that. And if you if you don't believe me, here's the proof. The Constitution says all 50 states have to have a Republican form of government, small r, Republican form of government. They must guarantee to the people in the states a Republican form of government. And all 50 states directly elect the governor with a popular vote. So they're republics, but that's what they do. So we can do that. We'd still be a republic. It's not about that. The, the reason it's in there is, is federalism. And state sovereignty, we still consider them states, like as in a nation state, you know, not like provinces. And so, you know, that's the, that's the American system. Uh, now, you know, the question I think for us all to answer is, are we a nation like Germany or Brazil or Japan, or are we just this loose federation of states like the European Union or, you know, the organization of, uh, of uh, oil producing uh, countries or... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I think, you know, we feel like we're a nation usually. And I think you see what happens when we start to emphasize state rights and state sovereignty is, is when we're very divided in the Civil mm-hmm. War, 1960s, right now. Right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, but, you know, I don't, I could get very into the weeds with the, with the Electoral College. I think, you know, we just had a decision and I, this will be the last thing I'll, I'll say about the, the Electoral College for now. We just had this decision by the Supreme Court, it's a unanimous decision, that the states can force the electors to vote for the candidate that won the plurality or, or whatever system states have. And what's fascinating about this is that Elaine Kagan, in her, deci- in her uh, uh, decision in writing about this, wrote that the word vote in the Constitution maybe doesn't mean that you have a choice because the founders didn't say that. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what they meant by vote. Maybe it just means vote how you're told. And this kind of blew my mind because if that's the case, I mean, every instance in American statute and jurisprudence of vote doesn't say asterisk, you get to vote for who you want. We just know that that's what it means. So jurors, congressional representatives, when they vote, the voter in the ballot booth, you know, we all expect to exercise choice, but now they carved out this exception for the electors and it was unanimous. So that's not gonna change. So, I mean, you know, that venue is closed and now it's, you know, it's if we wanna change the constitution, we're gonna have to change the, the Congress first another reason to vote. Another yeah. reason. So, so then I'll, I'll say one thing to, I think, complement what, what uh, Daniel was saying, and then I'll, I'll try to answer in a, in a different way your question, Jody. So, I mean, going back to the, 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 you know, the states' rights argument, I mean, I, I doubt that the, the founders, and I can't name these states off the top of my head, would anticipate that uh, it was a study that said by 2040, you know, half of the United States population 
will live in, I think it was like six or seven states. And, you know, when we look at, you know, I think, was it two of the last five elections or two of the last four, we've had a president elected that did not win the popular vote. And there you know, are legitimate fears that that might be the case again. We really got to, you know, really ask ourselves the question, did, did the founders and their wisdom, you know, understand just a, how big the country was going to be, because I'll tell you, they, they did not. There was this thing where <laughs> like it, it, it was a, it was an East coast uh, country at, at that point. Right. So they couldn't even fathom that we'd have, you know, over 300 million people living in, in the nation. And on top of that, that you'd have these massive, oh, I apologize, these massive um, states like California that have 13% of the United States population in one place. So in terms of looking at old systems, this is why, um, and I think Dan's on the same page that, you know, this is a living constitution. There are things that were not thought of. There are principles that are need to be stuck to, um, but, you know, we got to adjust for technology. We got to adjust for population. We got to adjust for things that could have never been seen. And, uh, you know, to make sure that we ensure that this is, you know, truly a democracy, right? Um, so then, Jody, I think going back to what you were saying, the, you know, electoral college aside, everything else is a strict popular vote. So, sorry, dogs. <laughs> So everything else, <laughs> we'll cut that out. So Jody, <laughs> so, so Jody, everything else is, you know, you know, strictly, um, you know, for the most part, popular vote. So when you look at your member of Congress, right, um, we, we can talk about issues like, you know, healthcare, right? We can talk about, you know, issues around criminal justice reform. All of those are a majority vote of people in the district voting for their congressional representative, right? That's, those are huge decisions. Uh, when you look at your US Senator, I mean, the big issue right now is, uh, you know, the appointment of uh, someone to succeed, uh, succeed uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. That's your US Senator who was elected by popular vote, right? Um, going back to these, these measures and like sometimes these margins are just tiny. Um, going back to you know local measures, last March we in, in Long Beach we had Measure A, which is the extension of a sales tax increase uh, indefinitely. Um, so this was a very polarizing discussion. Um, there were a lot of people who felt strongly one way or another, and Measure A passed by 16 votes, like 16 votes. Um, and I'd have to go back and look at how many people were we're voting at the time, but going, going back to what Dan said, I can't imagine that it was, I mean, the turnout couldn't have been more than, you know, maybe 20, like a quarter of the voting population um, in, a, in, in, a, in, a, uh, in, an early, in an early election. So, I mean, when you look at those margins, 16 votes, 16 votes, and you didn't even have half of the people that were eligible to vote vote, right? Did what folks yeah. wanna happen? happen? Maybe, right? But really what has to happen is that you need to go out there and make sure that your voice is heard. Because if not, you're, you're letting other people make decisions that are incredibly impactful to your community, uh, without you being at the table uh, for that discussion. 
And that that goes into what you were saying that this election holds more than just the president, who the president will be. It has a lot of different props that need to be passed. How can people educate themselves on the props? Because we see them all on TV, but it's either yes or no, and they kind of sway your vote. How how can you go about that? How can we learn more about it, I guess? No, absolutely. So um, they're, they're kind of two ways that I'll separate. So, um, you know, all of these propositions, all 12 at the state level, um, measure, I believe it's, it might be J at the county level, and then measure US at you know, uh, Long Beach, they all have websites. It's always understand. It's always important to understand that each of these websites, you know, if it's support, they're going to obviously give you a very glossy understanding of what's going on. If it's opposed, they're going to give you a very negative understanding of what's going on. But also the Secretary of State, um, who is the, uh, once again, statewide elected official, so if elected by every person in the state of California, majority vote gets, uh, gets chosen as the uh, Secretary of State, um, who actually puts out a, um, in, the, in their voter guide, a, um, a description as well as arguments around each ballot measure. So that allows folks to you know, take a step back and look at these things. That's, I believe it's sos.ca.gov. Uh, you can look at uh, ballot measures and you can really look at what's going on with each one and uh, make the best decision for yourself, at least at the state level. And that's needed because I feel like every single time I turn on the TV, it's either, depending on where I am, it's either yes or it's either no. Mm -hmm. And uh, social media, (laughs) it gets in the the way. And like, Danny, you were saying how social media with um, them going to like lunch, it can sway the votes. How does social media play a part in this election? Is it good? Do you think social media is good or do you think it's bad? Oh, man. Well, first, I just want to say with the with the propositions, in addition to what uh, what Matt has has shared, uh, you know, there are organizations that will take a position on most or all. Mm-hmm. Of and so you can kind of figure out who you're aligned with and go see, you mean, go see what, what is the ACLU saying? What is the Immigrant Rights Coalition saying? What does the L.A. Times say? And what is the progressive Democrats saying over here or, or whoever it is you're, you're aligned with, you know? Uh, and so I think that's a nice, a nice way to maybe save a little time is some of these things are really, really complicated mm-hmm. and, and they can be very counterintuitive. The language has, you know, double negatives. And then, you know, you think this sounds great, but then you find out that it's actually replacing something that was better. And, that you know, so it, it's good to get a few different opinions and get some both the objective and the subjective, I think. You know, with social media, I mean, uh, everybody's talking about this uh, this thing on Netflix, The Social Dilemma, which I haven't uh, steeled myself up for yet. I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but but I'm aware of this, you know, the subject that they're covering. And we, uh, you know, hopefully we all read about Cambridge Analytica and what they were doing. You know, uh, Russia has these these, you know, their troll farms, you know, hundreds of people that are just paid full time to make fake Facebook accounts that look like Americans and then say their opinion. And, oh, and I mean, you can't possibly counter that. Like, you just can't. Human psychology just doesn't work that way. People aren't driven by uh, a thoughtful and extended rational analysis of information. It's just not, people just don't have the bandwidth and the time. It's just not what is compelling to most people. And, you know, these uh, these forces that have access to social media 
have uh, also access to a lot of data and they yeah. understand what makes us move and what makes us tick. So, you know, it's really unfortunate because money in politics is such a distorting factor. And of course, one of the reasons for that is that elections are expensive. Mail is expensive. TV time is expensive. And, you know, the Internet seemed like it maybe had the potential to counter some of that because anybody could get on there and it was free exchange of ideas. And, you know, I could go research a candidate. Any candidate can make a website so I can go research them. I don't need to depend on the traditional media to feed me information. I, I could find out for myself. And that seems like that would help a lot. And, it, you know, and maybe it has over the years. I mean, I don't think any of us would know who Howard Dean was if it weren't for the Internet. Right. Uh, but. Now, with all the data that's been collected and people have really realized that, that you have to do social media, that that's where the power is, man, it's having such a distorting effect. It, it silos us. It divides us. You know, we're getting information that never challenges our, our beliefs. And there may be some people that can manage, but I think, you know, for, for most folks, it's just too much. And, uh, you know, so... I, it's, it's very concerning. And I think, you know, we have to get the information out there to people understand the ways that they're being manipulated. And it reminds me of some work that I did actually in the nineties in high schools, trying to educate students about uh, media influence and commercials, TV commercials, and how they were trying to influence you. And now it's, it's kind of the same. And, uh, and so, but, but so much more targeted. You know, that's what makes it so powerful. Absolutely. And, and, and just to complement what you're saying, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that is fed to folks on their social media feed, it's, it's, it's intentional. Um, I had a chance to uh, watch The Social Dilemma. I actually watched it a few times because I uh, made some of the younger folks in my family watch it too. Just to understand just really how, how that operates is that you really have someone who understands what makes you tick or really an algorithm that is, has an in-depth understanding based off of all the actions you take on the internet and they will feed you things that put you that send you in a certain direction and that direction is you know apathetic to the truth right um, because that's because the truth's not paying um, so you know relating that back to politics I think that um, you know, probably the, the lowest hanging fruit that we can do while we figure this thing out is always check your sources, right? It is really, really easy, so easy to hit the share button. Um, it is so easy to just let, let, let that define your perspective or even, you know, not take a step back and say, okay, so, you know, going back to kind of the way these things work, you know, why is everything on my feed just doubling down on my existing beliefs, right? Um, and is this maybe time to do some, uh, some independent homework or maybe just be intentional about engaging or just reading stuff uh, that, that conflicts with what you said? I mean, I, I can tell you that, that just, you know, by talking to, you know, not just reading articles, but just talking to people um, has just done so much for me personally in terms of uh, just in, in, in engaging and, uh, you know, just trying to find... Um, in this ever-shifting world, just really what the well, what the truth is, and and, and how uh, to align align my vote with my values, and uh, make sure that it's as uh, as educated and as true to me as possible. And that's so important for this vote. I like what you said with align with your values, um, 
because I feel like more than ever, a lot of people are kind of voting that way. They're, they're seeing now maybe the president, you know, that we have right now, his values are not for, you know, everybody, you know, as his values are very skewed to one particular like people, you know, or community. Um, and I know people of color, especially want things to change maybe within their communities, but they don't understand that there are more elections that need to be held. It's not just the president that does things in their community. Some, a lot of people I've talked to don't even know their own mayor or don't even know anything happening in their own neighborhoods. So what can they do to get involved or even just know the elections happening? People have to be inspired and, and, and have some kind of spark that, that they realize it's important and, and feel that they can make a difference. You know, I think if there's any good thing that could come out of President Trump being something that happened, right? It might be that more people get engaged and more people get involved, that, that people go, whoa, this is really bad. This is impacting me. I have to do something. Uh, you know, that, that I hope could maybe be some silver lining. You know, I think it's, re I think it's really hard. People are working hard. They're struggling to, to make ends meet. You know, then they're exhausted. And, you know, there's reasons to be cynical. If you look back at, at history, there's reasons to go, it's not going to matter. Um, you know, for me, I mean, it, what's always drawn me in is two things. I mean, one is the, 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 the issue of justice and just reducing human suffering and increasing personal, personal freedom. But when I say personal freedom, I mean over my body. I don't mean over the earth's resources. And that's not to me, it's not freedom. A lot of people talk about freedom and they really mean to go pillage and plunder. I'm talking about my body, right? So human rights, justice is all connected to that for me. And then the other thing is that I just find politics interesting and exciting. And I think a lot of people don't, they think it's boring, you know? Uh, and I think that maybe that's part of the, that's part of the scheme maybe. Uh, you know, it's like people say, well, I don't wanna vote. It doesn't make a difference. And I'm like, well, then they won, man, they won. Well, people tell me, well, I'm not gonna legitimize that system. It's legitimized because whoever wins is gonna take office and actually have power. That's what legitimizes it, not you showing up at the polls. If you don't show up at the polls, you just said, you guys win, I give up. And that's, you know, many people in power would like that, not all, but many people would like you to just give up. We got it, don't worry. We'll just keep doing what we're doing. So, but how do you get people to have the hope and be inspired? You know, I'm not sure. I think you talk to them. I think you, you get some victories and you say, look at this victory that we won. I think it's really great that, you know, young people see older people who look like them more, you know, in politics. Like, I think it's, that's a change that is, has happened really slowly. And maybe it seems like it's picking up a little speed lately. Uh, you know, that first there's a few and then that gives a few more the hope and the inspiration. And now you got a, you know, more representative sample and kids are looking up and going, oh, so that's a possibility, you know, like we get letters in the mayor's office, seriously, to the mayor when he'll go and speak and you get like students will write to him and, you know, say like, wow, seeing you and hearing your story. I go, maybe I could do that too, you know? And those always make me get a little teary, you know? So, so I, those are maybe some of the things that inspire by, by doing and showing that it can be done. Cause I, I think hope is the big missing thing. 
Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that, you know, just to you know, double down on some of the things that you're saying, Dan, um, you know, when I got into government, um, you know, I, I didn't really come from a activist background. Um, I, I actually, you know, I feel like I started to learn about just academically. And the thing that popped for me, what I try to explain to all of my friends that are, you know, you know, friends and family that might feel apathetic about the system is just how government impacts you everywhere, right? I could go line by line, give me any job in the United States, and I will tell you how government impacts that. Everything from wages to worker protections to the healthcare that you're offered to, you know, how this upstream investment, you know, affects you downstream. When you start, you know, hopefully, you know, creating those linkages and, you know, for folks saying, oh, no, like, do you, do you care about this? I mean, at local government, we see it all the time. Everybody cares about their streets. Everybody cares about their trees. Everybody cares about their sidewalks. Everybody cares about living in a safe neighborhood, right? And, um, you know, when you start realizing that, oh, you know, government pay, plays a impactful role in how resources are um, dealt out. And, you know, if I have a stop sign at the side, at, at a, at a corner that we know are dangerous for kids, right? If we, you know, if we have a, you know, investments in, uh, you know, our, our, our youth and, you know, you know, combating, you know, infant mortality around black women, we have a black infant health program, right? Mm -hmm. um, just all of these things are things that, you know, impact, government impacts everybody at some level. And it's just a matter of figuring out, you know, I think for folks where it connects, because I guarantee you it does. And then uh, using that as maybe a platform to talk to people about, okay, so you know who impacts this? Your state, local, or congressional representatives. Um, if you like what's going on, you should, like Dan said, have their back. If you don't like what's going on, then um, you got to be a part of the solution, right? Um, you know, democracy is a, uh, or, or elections rather, you know, it's an impact sport. And it's something that you got to be there for the long game for, you know, the, the system is, is, you know, very intentionally built on ensuring that you got to be dedicated to the change, right? It doesn't happen overnight. And, um, you know, I think it's up to, you know, us to make sure that people understand. Um, it can be frustrating when you get really, really fired up and you don't see that full change. But I can tell you just you know, even in my, uh, in, in my short career in politics, um, I've seen changes, right? Um, and you know, that's, that's the, that's the thing that fuels me, uh, you know, keeps me going and keeps me committed to making the greatest changes that I can make for my community. You know, we, we have one of the most diverse and progressive legislatures on this city council. I'm talking about the Long Beach city council. It's gotta be one of the most diverse and progressive legislatures anywhere you're going to find. And uh, it, it was it didn't have to be that way. I mean, a lot of those elections were were very competitive, and you know, had another candidate won, the city council would be going in a very different direction. Uh, same same with the mayor's race. I mean, you know, when when Mayor Garcia got elected and he ran against Damon Dunn, you know, it's a very competitive election. The city would be in a very very different direction uh, with a, with a mayor Damon Dunn. And so, uh, you know, just echoing what Matt says, these 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 
these votes make a difference. A few dozen votes can change the direction of a city. And, uh, you know, we're living in such a crucial time of such intense change. And we really need, uh, you know, all hands on deck. How, how do we know when we need to elect um, a mayor, say a mayor or the governor? I mean, I feel like a lot of people forget the three branches of government exist after like high school, after you have your history class, to be honest. Right. You just don't think about it later on down the road if you're not going into like a political major. And I think 2020 definitely has opened a lot of people's eyes, but we still don't know when we vote for the mayor or the Senate or the House. Like how many years do we have to wait to vote for them? Is that even is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would just say people should, you know, should Google should Google and follow the, follow the, the wormholes and read all about it. Read, read, have a copy of the constitution, read the constitution, read the, read the, you know, all these branches of government have their own websites and they'll tell you all about themselves and how that, you know, if you go to the Senate's website, it'll tell you how long senators are elected and who's up when, and, you know, you got to Google around a little bit. I, I think again, the, the missing ingredient for a lot of people is, you know, the, the interest and the motivation. Yeah, but the connection to information. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and, you know, I will be the first to admit that this stuff gets incredibly complicated because, you know, what you'll see sometimes is, you know, there are the November elections, but then I'm sure people got confused when there was a, an, an election last March and they're like, oh, I vote in November, right? But, you know, even before then, uh, there is, you know, there are special elections, right? Depending on if there are open seats to make sure that um, you receive, you know, timely representation in whatever, in whatever district you're in. So, yeah, I think that just kind of doubling down on what was already said, um, you know, I think it's making the connections and making sure folks are invested in their communities, right? Um, and, and, and invested in making sure their voice is heard because I guarantee you, like, like when you speak with your vote, the power structure listens because that is ultimate. I mean, you know, there's a lot of issues with money in politics and, um, you know, interest groups and lobbying and stuff like that. But the beautiful thing about our system is ultimately all of that doesn't matter if you vote the way that if your vote aligns with your values because that's, that's where the buck ends. And no, no amount of money, uh, no amount of lobbying can change the outcome of your vote. That's important because now that the ballot's out, I've seen on Instagram so many times where Kanye West is now running for VP on this California ballot. And people are actually, I hope they're, jo I pray that they're joking. But a lot of people are like, oh, if I can't decide, I'm just gonna vote for him. And I'm like, that no that, that that doesn't help any situation or or people always go oh i'm gonna put mickey mouse in the the box where you can just sign people why does that take away like because we all know it's either trump or it's either biden at this point but why is that so important to decide instead of just writing down a name or going oh kanye west yeah yeah okay so so I think there, there are kind of three parts to this, right? Right. I think one that you're kind of speaking to is the issues around a two-party system, 
Um, other countries, uh, you know, do not have them, um, or they have, they have multiple parties. And I think there's an argument to be made. If we had those, folks might feel more at home as opposed to this, this, you know, dichotomy. You know, either this side or that side. And I get that frustration. But you know, going back to I think what we already said is, you know, if you're not making, if you're not at the table making a decision, you're on the menu, and a decision is made, being made for you. Just because you're not engaging does not mean that it's 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 you know zero sum like whatever happens happens like this these decisions impact your lives impact the lives of your family impact the lives of me and my family too um, so I think that's that, that's one the second thing is that um, going back to our social media uh, discussion I think that one negative that social media has done is that it has um, in some cases, inflated you know the the voice of folks that are just out there to you know purposely antagonize the system and i think that sometimes we pick up on those voices and we you know gas them up too much right we're like oh my gosh this is just going to be the result of everything and this is another situation where i think we have to take a step back and you know really you know base our uh, decisions um and and, you know, you know, just take a step back and really think about what reality is, right? Um, so, you know, I've definitely seen some things like that on, on, on social media, but, you know, from, uh, you, know, you know, knock on wood, you know, hopefully that is just such a small, a small amount of folks. And hopefully that doesn't drive people to not want to vote uh, when they understand that that is just a, a tiny amount. And I think the, the third piece of that is, the decision, once again, is going to be made, right? Um, and you know, if you, if you don't have the, the wherewithal to vote for yourself, uh, think about someone in your life that it, that, that it impacts. You know, vote for your grandma who might not have access to healthcare, right? Uh, vote for your, you know, your mom who you know, might be undocumented, right? Those are people to vote for, right? Vote for uh, your little sister with a pre-existing condition right? Um, you know, those are the people that you need to vote for. So going back to these connections, like it's not just how it impacts your life. Um, it's about the way it impacts, you know, the lives of, of the people around you, your friends, your family, your community. I want to ask, why is the U.S. so focused on Democratic and Republican? Because like you said, like it is, it's, it's just become two parties, but there are more parties. Why do we only focus on those two? And was it always like that, or did we just like skew that way for some reason? That's that's a long answer. I mean, we're in our fifth, maybe our sixth party alignment right now in, in American history. Uh, there's been a few moments where there's a viable third party for a second, but mainly, you know, it's been these two parties or some version of them with this theme of uh, state versus federal power is really probably the only consistent theme that divides the two parties, but the parties have switched their positions on that issue. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I think though, you know, what one thing that's really important is that division and it's particularly strong at the federal level, right? And, and, and focus on the presidential election. It sucks a lot of the oxygen out of other stuff and I think it's one reason people are like, well, I'll just write Mickey Mouse because it doesn't matter. 
And they could be right that it doesn't matter. Like it may, they're writing Mickey Mouse may not make an impact on that election, right? But I think one of the reasons they feel like it doesn't matter is because people put so much of their political hopes and energies into the presidential election and that's it. And I think, you know, if people put that kind of energy into local stuff, the kind of victories you can win, all of a sudden you, you see politics very differently. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that presidential election, you know, you maybe then start to realize that politics is this series of, you know, compromises and coalition building and picking between the available choices, right? The art of the possible, it's been called, right? It's not, when you vote, you're not praying. It's not a purity test, right? It's not, you know, some kind of moral test of you. It's, to me, it's a calculated decision about how we're gonna distribute power from the available choices. And so, you know, but it becomes almost like a ritual because people feel so disempowered. And so like local politics, I think, you know, if you invest in that, you really get to experience a little more. Instead of it being ritualized, you really get to see and feel the impacts. And, you know, at the federal level, like I'm always telling people, forget about who the president is, forget about that. Pretend you're just voting for blank Democrat or Republican even. You're bringing, because people always say, well, I vote for the person, not the party. I kind of think that's exactly backwards. You're voting for a coalition. One person, as we've seen with Donald Trump, it's not just that he's so terrible. It's that he took out so many of the people in federal government who are steering the ship. You know, your captain can suck, but if he's got a good crew, it might be all right. Your captain can be great. And if he chases all the crew away, you can't sail a ship, you know? So it's like, you know, Joe Biden, people have all kinds of feelings about Joe Biden, but Supreme Court and federal courts and NASA and the CDC and the EPA and the Department of Justice and who are they going to sue for what? Like these kinds of things, you know, and who does he bring in his coattails and then the, the, the resources that can be brought to cities and how that's going to benefit them and all this kind of stuff. It's not about Joe Biden. And, but I think all that stuff is easier to see and understand at a local level because you get to know people more as people and the forces are more apparent and impacting you in a direct way, you know? So again, I just, I, I just think, you know, we, we, we here in Long Beach or wherever people are getting involved at the local level and maybe take, given the, the federal stuff a little bit less oxygen is, yeah. is I think a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, not to um, ritualize it um, because I, I know that that's something that, you know, I agree with you, Dan, we got to avoid is um, I've, I've heard voting described more so as opposed to a purity test is it's like brushing your teeth, right? You, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, something, it, it, it's, it's something that gets done. Um, you don't always feel like doing it, but if you don't do it, there will be consequences. Mm-hmm. Which is so you true. You can't just go to the dentist every four years. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Okay. Yeah, and 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 if you skip if you skip going, you know, if you skip going to the dentist or brushing your teeth, you know, for for too long, you'll go back and and you'll be like, what the heck happened last time? Last time I brushed my teeth, man, like it was great, it was great. Now it's not so great anymore. I'm I'm not sure what what happened. It's like, well, you didn't brush your teeth for a while, and and, and things changed. So you guys keep saying that um, we all need to get interested, right? That's what's going to drive us to go to the polls, but. A lot 
of places, especially communities um, with people of color, have been hit with their polls like disappearing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a lot of people have, they're, they're very cautious of now doing a mail-in ballot because everything happening with the postal service. I want to know, can people go to different places to, to a polling place or do you have to go to where your ballot says? Because I never understood that. Gotcha. So I can take, I can take a quick shot at this. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that most of our audience we're talking to uh, might be LA County. So I'm just going to you know, speak in those terms is that, um, you know, recently um, the County of Los Angeles uh, implemented the, the Voter's Choice Act and, and really what that meant in a, in a non-COVID world was that we changed significantly the way that we implement our elections. So, um, you know, first I'll talk about, talk about that, which was, you know, last March, we, sh- we shifted away from having like your individual precincts to vote centers. And these vote centers, uh, there were less of them than there were precincts, but the trade-off was you could vote at any of them. So let's say I live in Long Beach and I work in downtown LA. Um, I'm not going, you know, maybe come election day, like I'm not going to be able to make it back to Long Beach because I work late into the evening. I can vote anywhere in LA County and get a Long Beach ballot. So that was big. The other thing that it did is that it opened up the, uh, you know, the opportunity to vote for 10 days from election day, right? So that meant that, hey, you know, you know, if E-Day didn't work then the day before E-Day worked, or if not, maybe that weekend or maybe the week before. So just more opportunities to vote. Um, on top of that, in the state of California, everybody's getting sent a vote by mail ballot. So actually what today's October 5th, everybody should, you know, if you're registered to vote, um, you know, should have been sent a vote by mail ballot. And, uh, you know, we're, this is a month before election day. Um, and you can either mail it in or you could take it to a Dropbox. And um, I believe at least, you know, the, the city of Long Beach has a list of those. And I, I believe most, most cities will be able to direct you to uh, a Dropbox where if you don't feel, you know, good about putting it in the mail, which I don't think, I think, you know, at least from the state of California's perspective, uh, we've put in place like a number of protections to make sure that if you put your ballot in the mail, you don't need a postmark, you just vote, sign it, it is secure, safe, it will be re-verified and your vote will be counted. Um, and then on top of that, you know, even on election day, you can, uh, um, you, you can vote either absentee or you can, um, you can actually register the day of the election to vote in that election. So, um, you know, I know I, I went a little bit off topic from your question, Jody, but I just That's know, good info. <laughs> emphasize that at least in California, we have done and are continuing to try to do everything we can to make sure that you have as much time as you want um, to vote and that we're taking every, every precaution necessary to make sure voting is safe and accessible to everybody. Um, no excuses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but I think Jody, you, you brought up a really good point. You know, a lot of communities, I mean, listen, like voter suppression is real, mm-hmm. very real. Um, you know, my, 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 my grandfather is from uh, Mobile, Alabama, and he'd, he'd talk to my, talk to my mom about, you know, what it was like, you know, being black and yeah. living mm-hmm. in Alabama. Um, but I think that once again, you know, going back to why it's important, you know, there are people, you know, I, you know, I can, I can you know, speak specifically for African-American, 
hours and hours stood in line for the opportunity to vote, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you are able to shake up the power structure like that. You're able to double down on things that um, mitigate the opportunities for you know the forces that resist change or want the negative, you know, want the worst type of change uh, from suppressing votes, right? The voters, the, the voters' right act, uh, the voters' rights act of you know 1965 has been you know watered down over the years. Um, Very much so. Yes. Your your vote um, for the correct person uh, can strengthen that, right? To make sure that you know across the country there are things that you know local jurisdictions can't do. I mean, I was I was seeing uh, saw an article that in Texas uh, they're limiting places where you can drop your ballot, right? I think it was like one per county, and some of those counties have miles and miles and miles of uh, space in between, kind of those uh, you know city hubs. So you know. I feel like one thing that keeps coming up is that, you know, voting has consequences, um, but, you know, maybe a different way to say that is voting has opportunity to make sure that you're putting in place the system that is necessary to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to create an impact um, through their choice. Well, that's, that's the thing, right? It's that the, these votes don't only count in the election that you're voting, they, they ripple because in California, you know, because Democrats have power, so they want to expand voting because as we, as we discussed before, the voting population is not represented in the current, uh, I'm sorry, the, the population at large is not represented in the current voting population. And the voting population leans white and wealthy and old and conservative compared to the general population. So of course in California, we're trying to expand voting. So when, when we get people in power who want to do that, it multiplies. It multiplies the impact of our vote. And on the other hand, there's other, you know, the Republican Party gets in power and they, and they uh, gerrymander. And they, you know, uh, you know, we're controlling North Carolina for, for many years that way. And things are going to change right now because they got, we got a decision that said they had to stop. In fact, there's a, a really important election going on. I don't know if people know about it. I'm going to plug it right now. In North Carolina, in North Carolina's 11th district. So Mark Meadows, who's Trump's chief of staff, was the congressperson for North Carolina's 11th. That's Western North Carolina, the mountains. And it's Asheville, which is blue, 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 surrounded by, you know, North Carolina, which is red, 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 right? But Asheville is this very kind of progressive city. Mm-hmm. And so that seat has been kind of swinging back and forth. And then Meadows had it. And it was gentrified. They uh, gentrified gerrymandered. They split Asheville in two. Asheville is also gentrified, but that's another story. But they split Asheville in two. And so now they made two districts where Asheville had no impact. So instead of a Democrat district and a Republican district, or a swing district and a swing district, you got two solid red districts. So the court said, uh-uh. And they put Asheville back together. And so Mark Meadows left. I think he saw that he might not win that seat and he went and was Trump's, now he's Trump's chief of staff, of course. So now this seat is between this, this guy named Madison Cawthorn, who's like a far right wing Trump cult all the way, yet very young, uh, never has really had a real job. And, uh, and then, and, no, but it's true. And then Mo Davis is the Democrat. And let me tell you about this guy, Mo Davis. He was, he was an Air Force Colonel he went to Guantanamo Bay as a prosecutor. They tried to, uh, he was told to bring evidence that had been obtained through torture and he refused and he quit his commission. 
on Guantanamo Bay. Now he's running as the Democrat. Also plays a really good mean guitar. And it's a very, <laughs> it's a very close race. So I want, I just want to encourage anybody who's, you know, maybe feels like their local races are, are, are not, are decided or whatever. They want to help, you know, they need phone bankers and they need money. So uh, that's a, that's a really big race, but it just goes to show again that, that when, you know, because this is because judges got appointed who were sympathetic and, and they stopped the gerrymandering and now Asheville's whole and we have a chance to get a Democrat in that seat. And it's a big deal. And if a Democrat gets in that seat, you know, again, power will replicate itself. So once a Democrat's in that seat, you know, they now have the ear of their constituents and, you know, mm -hmm. almost always second term Congress people win by much more than they got elected by because they have a chance to connect and do constituent services and so on and so forth. So what infrastructure? Carolina 11. Everybody pay attention and support Mo Davis, please. Yeah. It came into a support him. I love that. I love that. Anybody else who need to support? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm here for it. I, I need all these lessons. I feel uh, like I, I, I was going to say every uh, every uh, a Democratic senator, uh, U.S. senator, or uh, every Democrat running for a U.S. Senate seat in the swing district. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, my personal uh, uh, the one I've been uh, you know supporting a bunch is uh, uh, Colonel Astronaut Mark Kelly out in Arizona. All right. Yeah. So. I need to, I need to brush up on all these. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not educated enough as I would like to be. And see, that's why we're having this episode because everybody needs to educate themselves. Like you said, it's a ripple effect. It's not just about the president. And we all need to know that. Even I need to have to learn that in 2020, unfortunately. And I'm in my twenties and I'm like, I'm just learning this, this is bad. This is- Yeah, I mean, and, 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 and even just, you know, talking about the, the, the power of the vote. I mean, the, the impact that you have, I mean, we're gonna see See now, I mean, we could go back to 2016 and, you know, kind of re-mock up that, that scenario. I know that I talked to a lot of people that were apathetic um, and, you know, created a false equivalency, in my opinion, between the two candidates that were running. And, you know, well, I mean, in, in my opinion, as someone that's worked in this, in this field for a little bit, I mean, well, the damage that was done in four years is going to take way more than four years to fix. Yes. That means is that the ultimate change that I believe the majority of the United States public wants to see is even further away. So, you know, taking, taking an election off or not sticking, sticking to your, uh, your values and, you know, you know, letting, letting a, um, a minority party that is not representative of, you know, the, you know, diversity, um, of the United States population, um, it makes things tougher. Um, and, you know, hopefully that galvanizes us and uh, inspires us to really put our foot down and say, no, you know, mm -hmm. we're sure that the change that we want is, uh, is something that happens now. Yeah, I hope people are paying attention to where this court wants to go. You know, there's a long uh, history in, in, in Supreme Court jurisprudence of respecting precedent, particularly recent precedent, and giving a chance for the country to live under those precedents and see how things go. Uh, but, you know, Alito and Thomas are making very clear that they are out to overturn um, uh, 
gay equality, Ober Oberfell decision. Uh, I think it's clear that they would like to get rid of Roe v. Wade. That's been clear forever. And, you know, there are going to be a whole bunch of less known uh, decisions that still are very important that they're that they know about and they would love to tear apart affecting civil rights and voting access gerrymandering uh you know discrimination at at work and in housing affordable um, care act health care you know of course absolutely thank you yes and and so just on and on there's so much at stake uh that uh that makes this this presidential election all that much more consequential and it's just another example of how when you vote you're not just voting for that one thing it, it it has this this ongoing effect right especially um the new uh supreme court pick you don't realize that the president you know picks this person and then was it mm -hmm. is it the senate that elects them in and the that's senate, a major thing because we don't senate. yeah oh well my amazon but um we don't we don't get to pick essentially and that's a big thing in the debate you know the debate the debate was kind of rocky there a lot of this time around but um biden did make a point of that there should not be a supreme court pick right now do you agree with that or do you think they should go ahead yeah of course i agree with that <laughs> the election started i mean it's it's you know the the court's supposed to be kind of above the fray and I think especially when you think you're going to have a close election, you know, to have this this judge handed this lifetime position by a president who's counting on her decision. It's just so inappropriate. It's just, you know, the truth is there's nothing in the Constitution to stop them. If you just read what the Constitution says, Trump, you know, even if Trump were to lose, he would have the legal right to uh, to go ahead, even as a lame duck in his last month or whatever. But, uh, you know, there, there's a, how to say, there's a tradition in American politics of sometimes having traditions that are outside of, you know, the, the constitution. But okay, so if these guys are gonna play the kind of hardball they're playing, I, I, I think, you know, you know, that just says that that's what we're playing. And I think, you know, let, let's not show up as they say to a gunfight with a knife, mm -hmm. you know? I hate to use such a violent metaphor, but, but man, the stakes are high. Yeah, no, absolutely. I 100% I, I agree. I mean, and I, I, I share Dan's view on, uh, on, on the Supreme Court. I mean, I think what we've seen, and I think this is what starts to, I mean, turn people off to politics is that it is increasingly clear that, you know, one party believes in power absolute and, you know, everything else, you know, gets thrown to the side. You know, whether it be, um, you know, whether it be the historic rules of the Senate or, you know, any of these other institutions, um, it's, it's, you know, it's a really scary place to be in. But I think that, you know, what the American people um, and what we really need to know is that when a political party is doing that, and I think, you know, specifically this iteration of this party, um, it's because they're scared. It's because they're operating at a minority and they know that, you know, time's short. So what motivates me and, and, and you know, gets me on the phones and, and, and gets me, you know, donating to campaigns outside of the state of California is let's, let's make that time as short as possible. Let's make their day of reckoning. 
now. Yes. We're coming to a close, but the last thing I want to ask you is whoever gets elected, I'm just going to say whoever, because what would you want them to do in 2020 or what, I mean, 2021, what would you like to see or try to achieve? Because like you said, it's going to take many years to get anything basically back to being good again. I want to see Medicare for all. I want to see Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. admitted as states. Uh, that's pretty ambitious for, for the first year, I think. I mean, I want to see also, you know, a president who's going to unite us, but not by sweeping differences under the rug, but rather by speaking to common common values and uh, you know, I, which I think is what President Obama tried very hard to do. He didn't always do it perfectly. Made a few unfortunate comments that no one will ever let him forget. But, yeah. but, but you know, I think it was clear that his intention, like even right when he said this thing about the clinging to guns and religion, I think it's really obvious that he was trying to be sympathetic. He was trying, cling was the wrong word, but he, he, he was trying to sort of say, I kind of get it why they're this way, you know. Uh, yeah. I want to see a president who tries to do that. Uh, you know, without, we can't compromise on human rights. You know, you can't be like, well, they have a point. Maybe you don't deserve, they want no human rights and you want all human rights. So we'll give you half, you know, it's no, there's no compromise right. on human rights. But I mean, I think, you know, trying to understand and, and I think, you know, part of this has to be an economy that is, that is, is, is fair and is, uh, is secure for, for working people, you know, and I think, I don't think I'm saying a big secret here when, when I when I say that I think it's clear that the Democratic Party has somewhat got away from that mission that it historically was carrying out of really advocating for the working people, whether they did it in policy or in messaging. It's clear that a lot of people do not think that the Democrats are there for working people, and I think you know we've got to do a better job of showing that the Democratic Party is there for working people and has always been the working people's party. But that particularly in rural areas, that message has not, you know, it's not getting them. They've got to do that. And then I think you never will have to worry about somebody like Trump coming along if, if, if Democrats can do those things. I think for me, um, I mean, someone that will come in, you know, fortify some of the, you know, protections that have been in place for a while, uh, rebuild them back to where they are and then take it a step further. Um, talked about the, you know, the Voters' right, Rights Act. I mean, we need to take extra steps to make sure that, you know, as basic as it seems, you know, there are people that are against extra precautions to make sure that everybody, everybody votes and you don't need, you know, to answer, you know, uh, you know, a pop quiz or provide three different types of ID to vote, right? That we truly, you know, I, I want somebody that's going to truly engage the electorate um, to, you know, do everything that we can to, I think, um, bring forward the, like the big change that we've been talking about here, which is making sure that people are engaged. There are policy decisions that we can make to make it easier for people to engage, uh, to create more pathways for people to be engaged. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd want somebody that, that would do that. And then from a policy perspective, um, climate change, climate change, is going to impact um, all of us, but you know specifically uh, millennials and, uh, and and the Zoomers the most, right? Um, I want someone that's going to be 
putting in place the necessary investment and just top-down leadership uh, saying that this is a priority that will you know, opt back into the, the Paris Climate Agreement and then some, right? Um, someone that will say, okay, so you know, we need to set aggressive goals um, to you know, address something. Because you know, for me, climate change, it's, 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 it's something where the buck's just going to pass us at some point, right? And then there's going to be no turning back the clock, right? Um, and you know, you couple that with um, you know just the public health impacts of environmental degradation, right? Like, you know, people are dying because they don't have access to clean water. People are in in hospitals uh, because they aren't breathing clean air, right? Um, you have you know just communities that are being decimated. I mean, we see the wildfires in, in California. We see increased, uh, you, know, you know, dramatic, um, you know, natural disasters um, out, uh, you know, with hurricanes and, and things of that nature. Like, you know, those are natural disasters, but they're, they're caused in part by uh, human, you know, humans releasing uh, emissions into the atmosphere. So we gotta, we gotta be serious about that um, because lives depend on it. I agree. Thank you both for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us. Um, I've learned so much. And now, honestly, I have the bug to go do research and like look up all these things. So I'm hoping that everybody watching also gets that bug. Um, but I just want to say to everybody, please go out and vote. Please register to vote. Um, check your voter status um, just so you know that you, you are. You can track your ballot, too. If you go on the Secretary of State's website, you can track your ballot. And you will get text yeah. message updates. You can get texts. Look yeah, at, I just got. I, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, if if we need to distribute the information after the fact, I mean, I I, I signed up uh, when I realized that my, my ballot wasn't here, and I was like, all right, we gotta we gotta make sure this is good. And I just got a text actually today that my ballot was on its way. So there are just Why all did you sign up for that. So it, it's through the Secretary of State's office. Secretary. So in the state of California, the best source as like a, a one-stop shop, and usually they'll you know, send you out to different places, is the Secretary of State's office. You can check on your registration. You can get updates um, from, from, from them regarding the status of your ballot. Uh, you can also, uh, another great resource is the County of Los Angeles and, and their registrar's office because they have county-specific resources as well. See, look, we knew another thing. I want to do that. I need a text to make sure my ballot got in. Thank you so much for that little piece of information before we exit. But thank you again. And I hope everybody has a wonderful night. And please go vote. Please vote. Your vote matters. And like they said, it's a triple, it's a, a ripple effect. And also vote locally and make change in your own community where you want to see things happen. So everybody have a good night. Thank you. Bye.